Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. You're listening to the Chicago Audible Podcast, changing up the way Bears fans stay up to date on their favorite team since 2015. Now get ready. Because it's time to bear down. Welcome back, Bears fans, to another episode of the Chicago Audible. It's Thursday, September 24th, and it's time for our weekly game preview episode. I'm Eros Wildewitt, and to help me get you prepared for this week's game against the Atlanta Falcons, I'm joined by my co-host, Nicholas Moriano, which, Nick, you are fresh out of puppy class. How'd it go this week? Better than the last time? Yes, it was much better than the last time. Brady was really good today, and I think I would say was the best puppy in the class, but, you know, it, it is um, a little bias in there. Yeah, but it went a lot better than last week. Can't it go any worse uh, than it did last week? Maybe it could have, but you're shaking your head no. So I'm going to agree with you there. And Nick, before we jump into the show, I didn't want to take a moment to kind of just share our condolences to the family of Gail Sayers. Uh, the Bears did lose a legend yesterday, and you and I, we had a really awesome honor and privilege to see him uh, last summer at the Bears 100 convention. I know you shared a video on social media of the ovation that he got when he was able to take the stage, be introduced there. And, you know, just thinking about that gives me a little bit of those goosebumps uh, yet again and some of those chills. But um, it's always sad to see a legend go. I know a lot of Bears fans are hoping the Bears wear those all-white uniforms this week. It's possible that they could. Depends if they want to make a move like that. I think that would be incredible uh, just to pay some tribute to Gale. But is there anything you wanted to say about Gale? Uh, you know, a great player, a great person off of the field as well. And don't want to have a huge segment on this, of course. We need to talk about a game. But I think we wouldn't be doing ourselves any favors if we didn't give Gale at least a moment here on our show. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's a guy that when you start to become a Bears fan, like that, those are like some of the highlights you see. And, you know, I think even like in today's day and age, Gale Sayers would have had success just because of how great of a runner he he was and you know just seeing the highlights it, it was really cool to see but like that moment when we were at the convention at Rosemont seeing him come out there you know in the wheelchair you the, the crowd just was erupted really and it was it did give you chills and just watching that video again put us put me back in that space and it was just really cool to see him one last time and you know just rest in peace to a Bears legend let's just end it there that was perfect Nick well done uh so Rest in peace, Gail Sayers, a legend loss, but, you know, definitely uh, haven't gained another one in itself. But, Nick, we have to talk Bears-Falcons. Bears have a chance here to go 3-0 and here to start the season. And I think the Falcons are a team that they can definitely have a chance for. So usually how we've been starting these preview shows is sharing our initial perception of our upcoming opponent. 
I think I've started these the last two weeks. I'm going to give you the honor. What's your initial perception of the Falcons? And I'm never mind. I almost took it right out of the way. Go for it. I'm going to shut up. (laughs) I mean, yeah, when you think about the Falcons, you know about their offense. You know about Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, and now Calvin Ridley. And just a team that has the opportunity to score at any given moment. But then there is that other side that I know Falcons fans are not happy about. It's really the the comebacks that other teams are able to make against them. You see what happened in Dallas. Everyone knows what happened in the Super Bowl with the Patriots. So there's like two sides of, of this team, the one that can really score at any given moment, and then that other team that just allows teams to come back. It doesn't happen every time. But for the Falcons right now, they weren't very competitive last season. They're still looking for that first win. So all I know is that they're going to be hungry in this game. But it's a team that could score, but it can also have an opportunity to let another team back in a game. Yeah, it's a team that, like you said, on offense, they seem to be pretty dangerous. On defense, I think they leave a lot to be desired, at least if you are a Falcons fan. I think for you and I, we're liking what we're seeing. Um, And on top of that, I think just... Uh, riddled with injuries would be the extra just perception right now they're dealing with a ton of injuries getting bitten hard by that injury bug and some key players like Julio Jones who has not practiced this week that really does bode well for the Chicago Bears just losing out on an already team that's struggling how personalized can a financial plan be when it's created by one of those robo advisors Plugging in standard algorithm to calculate insurance need and future wealth of random human client. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting to know you always comes first. Together, we'll create a financial plan based on your specific goals. Find a local Farm Bureau advisor at fbfs.com protect. It's your future. Let's protect it. Not having some key guys may just be, you know, just another dagger for them but yes I don't want to call any week an easy week Uh, like you said this team's gonna be hungry they're gonna be borderline desperate and a desperate hungry football team is just as dangerous as a super talented team as well is there anything else on the initial perception before we jump into our three points on the Chicago Bears offense that we want to hit on you know what no just because I know obviously we've done our homework and this is where we're going to reveal what we actually know about this Falcons team so let's get right into it All right, let's go ahead and begin with our three talking points, like I just mentioned, for the Chicago Bears offense. And Nick, let's just start with Mitch. We haven't given him an official talking point in our preview show yet this season, but I think now is the time. So let's take a moment uh, to discuss some of the early impressions that he's made on us, some general thoughts as we kind of just move forward throughout the season with Mitch as our quarterback. And for me, obviously, taking in strength of opponent to account, he's still impressive, Uh, He's someone that he's leaving some throws out there, but he is finding ways to still lead this team to victories. He's putting this team in a position to succeed. He's limiting his mistakes, uh, those crucial mistakes that we saw a year ago. I know the two interceptions last week, as we talked about in our postgame show, you can put a decent amount of the blame on those on Allen Robinson. Maybe it's 50-50, but still overall his ability to take care of the football. I think he's playing with much more uh, confidence than we saw a year ago. That's kind of helping this offense play with a little bit more swagger. And just overall right now, just a generalization of Mitchell Trubisky. Based off what I saw last year, I'm happy for it. I'm not super surprised because he's not playing like lights out. Um, but he is playing close to that 2018 Mitch, which is the Mitch that took us this, took this team to a pro, a, pro, geez, a playoff berth. And for me, I would love to see that again. And I think Mitch is doing 
a pretty decent job so far. Still room for improvement. But Nick, how about you? What are some of your just general thoughts on Mitch after two weeks? Yeah, so it's a small sample size. But what I have liked about Mitch Trubisky in 2020 is the vision that he is displaying, maybe not on a consistent basis, but on some key plays or, you know, really third downs. If you just go back to the game last week against the Giants, the first third and five play on the first drive of the game that throw to Allen Robinson, what you see Trubisky do is a subtle little look back into the middle of the field to hold the defensive back that's in in kind of the the throwing lane but what Trubisky does he looks there freezes that guy goes immediately back to Allen Robinson knows where he's at delivers an absolute strike there's not very much error that can happen in that throw and he does something very similar on a third and two play to a Jimmy Graham on a corner route basically he has to manipulate the defensive back have him hold in the flat where Tariq Cohen's just running a flat route going into that space and again freezes that defender, throws open a Jimmy Graham for an 18-yard gain. Both those plays happen on third down. So you see the vision aspect. We also saw this last game against the Giants extending plays, whether it's a touchdown to Montgomery or even the second, it was a second and 11 scramble. Mitch Trubisky gets outside the pocket, a little small, subtle pump fake, freezes that defender, goes around and picks up 12 yards. So those were things that we wanted to see more of from Trubisky, especially extending the pocket and getting those yards um, with his legs. And that's something that we've seen Trubisky, I think, consistently been able to do. Not so much last year, but we saw all those things just happen in week two against the Giants. There is aspects, like you were mentioning, Will, where you would like to maybe see improvement or things that maybe Trubisky's still making the same reoccurring mistake. You see some of the sacks there. I think there's times where Mitch Trubisky could have hit a check down. There was a play where Mitch Trubisky's targeting Allen Robinson. It's a first and 10 play. And I I highlight it. It's Cordell Patterson out in the backfield running a seam route. There's nobody guarding him. And I, I think it's just Trubisky fixated sometimes on throwing Allen Robinson. Usually it's a good idea. It wasn't very good in week two against the Giants at the two interceptions. But... He just needs to get better and more consistent of going to that next read, and that's something that I think throughout the 2020 season we're going to have to, you know, ebbs and flows with him and see where he's at on a game-to-game basis. But I like what I'm seeing so far from the 2020 version of Mitch Trubisky. It's better than what we saw in 2019. It sure is. I think his pocket presence, again, even though it's been slightly inconsistent, I think overall that's been improved. But, Nick, I think you hit on a good point, um, and that's his ability to make plays with his legs still. Last season, uh, after he hurt his shoulder, that element of his game kind of went away. And I think making him a pure pocket guy without that mobility, him playing a little, you know, afraid of injury or reoccurring that shoulder injury held him back a little bit. But he's playing loose. He's playing with confidence. And Nick, on top of that, he's averaging two more yards per rush this season so far than he did a year ago already. So he's getting back to that 2018 form when he was one of the better running quarterbacks in the NFL. Um, I do think the legs play a big factor because they do put defenders in a conflict situation, and that's what you're seeing with that David Montgomery play when he's scrambling to the right, defender gets sucked up, and then he's able to dump it over. Those are savvy moves that... Even in 2018, I don't know if you saw Mitch doing something that savvy. Like, he was able to run, but I never saw him run, allow a defender to kind of sneak up and then just kind of do a layup over him. That's awesome to see, and I want to see him find a way to put more defenders in those conflict situations with his legs to give himself some easy throws outside of the pocket. Uh, Speaking of his legs, do you think it could be a sneaky X factor uh, in the red zone this week, looking at what Dak Prescott did a week ago? 
Yeah, I was, I was, I'm glad you brought that up because Dak Prescott was able to find the end zone quite a few times just by getting those QB sneaks. I think he did steal one kind of from Ezekiel Elliott. He, it was, he was short of the goal line, but Dak Prescott actually had to leave the game due to uh, an injury sustained. But he comes back in, gets that that touchdown. Could be. Uh, we haven't seen the one QB sneak they had this year. They didn't convert on it against Detroit, so they have to get better in that area. But it could be a factor. Who knows? All right, so why as we wrap up Mitch, just a simple question, and I just need a simple answer. Has he played better than you envisioned him playing throughout two weeks so far? As we were entering week one, has he, I won't say exceeded your expectations, but is he playing maybe more polished than you thought he would be based on what we heard out of training camp? You know what? I, I would say so. Um, it, I, I didn't sound very confident saying that, Will, <laughs> but, you know, as as we assess these two games and, you know, there's – good and bad in both it he hasn't been the real big problem right it's like the bears are two and oh i think if it's a if the bears are oh and two and now given his play i think it changes the narrative a little bit but i would say right now trubisky is okay i want to see it like again more consistent but you made a really good point on the post game show all these teams want to be more consistent they didn't have a preseason there's a, a this you know condensed training camp they're still trying to figure it out. They're good quarterbacks that are still struggling right now. So for right now, I'm okay with it. It needs to get better, though. For this team to beat better teams, not not the Giants and Lions, he needs to be better. This offense needs to be better. But I'm okay with it. Just needs to see improvement. Yeah, I mean, sneakily enough, Indianapolis seems like it's going to be a difficult matchup next week with their secondary. Well, we have. A, I'm getting way ahead of myself, but I think it's going to start getting real pretty soon and we'll see too for the Falcons and we'll talk about our thoughts on their secondary but it should be a game that I think he could excel in it'll be my way of just uh, mentioning it here real quick but let's shift our focus Nick to the Bears rushing attack because that's been a strong point for this Bears offense and by the way it's just great to see they did get better at running the ball towards the end of last season but it's even so what we're seeing early on this year is completely different you're seeing everybody get involved you're seeing the offensive line especially the interior just dominating at the point of attack whether it's James Daniels Cody Whitehair Jermaine Effetti wide receivers aren't getting afraid of uh, jumping in there as well downfield Javon Wims Darnell Mooney Allen Robinson's always been a good blocker but some of these other guys that maybe you didn't know they had that in them uh, they're making some great downfield blocks to help sustain these running plays and then the tight ends uh, they've been a huge help as well not just if they're running those three tight end sets which I know they're playing a lot more of those compared to a year ago which it helps when you have the talent at the position to do that um, but Jimmy Graham Cole Komet Demetrius Harris they're all pitching in too to help these run plays so it's really Nick it's a team effort and I know a lot of people want to focus on the back and look Montgomery's doing well which he is but they're splitting up the carries. They're getting everyone involved in the blocking. And I think it's a mentality. It's almost like the Bears' identity is becoming run the football. Are you starting to feel that way too? Yeah, absolutely. Just seeing exactly what you mentioned, the personnel packages, the the willingness to run more, just more throughout an entire game and not abandon it. You see that this Bears team and what Matt Nagy's doing is, is really different from what he's been doing the first two years. And Right now, given maybe your quarterback, the the players on this team, that is something that I think is going to work for the Bears team, and hopefully they just continue building off of what they've done through two games. But 
Like I'm high, I'm going to highlight some certain players here. I'm going to start with my guy James Daniels. I think he's been a lot better just in terms of playing a little bit faster and it's not he's not just when he's not engaged with somebody, he's not just standing there. He goes to look for work. I don't know if you saw the play will, but there's one where it's Charles Leno Jr. He's This message is brought to you by Regeneron. If you have diabetes, listen closely because your ears could help your eyes. Excess sugar from diabetes could lead to eye damage and vision loss, even blindness, and you might not even notice it at first. So remember, now is the time to get your eyes checked. Eye care is especially important with diabetes. See a path forward with actions and potential treatment options that may help your eyes and protect against vision loss. Go see an eye care specialist and visit nowic.com to take charge of your eyesight. That is N-O-W-E-Y-E-S-E-E.com. Engage with the guy. James Daniels doesn't have anybody. James Daniels comes over and just knocks his poor defensive end right on his ass. Like, he does. That's what he does. And I love seeing that mentality because I think maybe through two years, like, James Daniels is kind of soft or he's not maybe a, a, a physical guy. He put on some weight this year, and you could see it kind of coming to his game now. And he's getting to the second level, I think, more efficiently than he ever has been. There Obviously, there's times he's going to get beat, but I like what I'm seeing from him. He's a second-round draft pick. The Bears are expecting a lot from him. But you also see it from Charles Leno Jr., his – the way he's able to get out on outside zone runs or even on screens, that is working for the Bears. And that's why the Bears had success this last last Sunday against the Giants doing some of those things. So individual players are stepping up. And I know, Will, we talked about it. For this offensive line to get better, to buy into Juan Castillo's just scheme, individual guys had to step up. And through two games, I'm seeing that already. You absolutely are. I mean, it's a big reason why the Bears are averaging 142 yards per game on the ground, which is ninth in the NFL. Last year, they were towards the bottom of the barrel, 27th, only averaging about 91.1 yards. That's about a 50-yard difference per game, and that's incredible to see that kind of return on investment so soon with the Juan Casillo, and it's, it's only just beginning. I think it can still get better. And so for me, Nick, when I'm looking at this, another question I have for you, week one, you know, we were down, we had to find a way to crawl back in, so we had abandoned the run a little bit. Last week, the Bears were ahead. They were trying to milk the clock, but when we got to that fourth quarter, you and I were both very impressed with what David Montgomery, A, coming back from the injury, what he was able to do. If the Bears can just stay in these games, either getting a lead or keeping them within a one-score margin, I think they'll really rely on the rushing attack, start feeding in David Montgomery more, and do you envision what we saw being in that fourth quarter last week when they did kind of lean on number 32 that he's going to just get better as the game wears on with those extra touches? Because I think we saw what it could be or glimpses of it last week, but I'm curious if you think if that's sustainable, because I do. Yeah, I think David Montgomery is a guy that really can test the defense. Like, he's going to bring it every single play. It doesn't matter. Like, you saw the hit that he took and how he fell, you know, on his neck there, but he's able to come back in that game and still is fighting for yards I, I think a defense feels that every single time he gets he gets the the ball there and what really I think allows him to keep on having success gaining positive yards is just the patience that I've also seen in him in this through two games and maybe wasn't there or he didn't trust the line as much in in 2019 you see these outside zone run plays where instead of outrunning his blocks Montgomery waits a half a second sees the hole and maybe goes a backside a gap and then gets that seven eight yard gain so he could wear a defense down and for the bears right now who are still trying to find exactly that perfect i guess 
flow of pass to run ratio and still put up points, you want to be able to lean on a David Montgomery. And so far, you want obviously we want to see improvement, but we've seen glimpses. And I, like you mentioned, I think it's only going to get better with Juan Castillo really at the helm and just teaching these guys how exactly he wants to run his run scheme. So just like Mitchell, uh, the same question applies here, Nick. Has the running game exceeded your expectations so far? It really it is has exceeded. I don't even know where my expectations were at. And I had, I guess, you know, questions about Juan Castillo. He was the big main component there. And then Jermaine Effetti. But they have exceeded everything that I was expecting just because of how efficient the offensive line has looked and the gains that David Montgomery is getting. We want to see a complete game. And like you said, in that week one matchup against the Lions, they had to band it a little bit. But I love what I'm seeing. I think it's a night and day difference from 2019. And I think this puts the Bears' offense in its best position to succeed. If they do, I think, continue to find a way to make the running attack its main identity because it's going to help Mitch take some of the pressure off of him where he doesn't have to sling the rock 40, 45 times a game. It's going to put play action, make it more effective. Going back to what we talked about with Mitch's legs, putting those defenders in those conflict situations, muddy up what they need to do. Oh, it's a run. They take that one step in. We've talked about that in the podcast. If you get a linebacker taking a step, heck, even just a half a step forward before they have to go back to their read step backward, you can open up some of those windows over the middle of the field, and we're starting to see the Bears hit those two this year. So for me, the running game, as impressive as it is, I also want to make sure we're understanding, I think, its importance being almost like the gasoline that can make this offense really start churning. Uh, That's all I have right now for the running game. I know we'll talk about how we think it's going to fare so far this week later on the show, but is there anything else before we move on, Nick? No, I, like I said, I've been really impressed, and I'm looking forward to seeing what they can do throughout the rest of this 2020 season. For sure. Now let's go ahead. Let's actually bounce back, and let's get back to the Bears' passing game. The ball has been spread around pretty well. There's been 11 different Bears who have at least one target and a catch throughout two games, and I do want to focus on the wide receivers here. I know it's only been two weeks, but we're already you know, being reintroduced to the, the peaks and the valleys that is Anthony Miller. A-Rob, he's coming off of a, a down game, and we do have guys like Darnell Mooney. And Nick, I'll even throw in Javon Wims here, uh, just being just because he was perceived of being on the roster bubble, maybe someone who was cut. And now he's coming in. He's made a few big catches, and he's also showing that willingness to get his hands dirty in the running game. When we're looking at the Bears' wide receivers, uh, I know we had a couple guys, like I mentioned, maybe with some rough games against the Giants, Perhaps they'll step back up here against the Falcons, but just overall throughout two weeks, how do you think this position is faring? Obviously, Darnell Mooney is a tremendous bright spot. Not, I would say a surprise, but we were expecting him to have some sort of impact. Didn't think it would be this close out of the gate, but what's your overall impression on the wide receiver group so far? Yeah, it's it's been an interesting, I think, two games for the wide receivers. You see, you know, Allen Robinson, Anthony Miller be the focal points in week one, and then they're not even a part of the equation really in week two against the Giants, and other guys are kind of stepping up. Darnell Mooney, Javon Wims having a couple of third down receptions. So it's been a mixed bag, honestly, and I do want to see more consistency from that group, and it all starts with Allen Robinson. I think it was a down game for him against the Giants. It really was, and for Anthony Miller, you know, we thought, okay, this is perfect. He has a good start to the season week one against the Lions. He can only do, you know, good things from here now week two, and he has a couple of opportunities to make some big plays for this Bears offense, the biggest one being that touchdown drop after a turnover. And obviously he doesn't make the plays. And 
like these are what came out of the the press conferences later after the game was that Anthony Miller on the third down and sixth play that was towards the left sideline he ran the his route short. So those are the growing pains that we constantly are hearing from Anthony Miller. Just mental lapses. You need to know how how much depth you need to get on a route and where to break it off at. So we're still seeing it, but it's been a mixed bag, honestly. Well, I'm glad to see Darnell Mooney stepping up. But I also really wanted to see Riley Ridley at some point. He hasn't gotten time. It's been nice to see Javon Wims make a couple plays here and there, even blocking downfield uh, on certain plays. But like I said, it's been a mixed bag from all these guys, and I want to see, just like the quarterback position, but going back, everyone wants to see consistency. That is a group that I, I expect a little bit more from because I know there's a lot of talent there. I just need to see it on a you know a consistent basis with – if it, a ball is thrown that way for Anthony Miller, he needs to make that catch. Allen Robinson, he makes that catch over Bradbury nine times out of ten. So right. I need to see it next week or this this Sunday against the Falcons. Yeah, exactly. And I think they have the matchups here to do it. Uh, I think what you said sums it up pretty well. And as much as I say last week we're disappointed in a few guys, it gets me super excited about this offense's potential because we just talked about this running game being a huge strength and if that can happen with the talent that they have at wide receiver and if they can just get some sort of even kill mitch that's a real i wouldn't say like an offense that would just scare the pants off of every defense but that's an offense that is competent that can be effective that can put points up on the board and with this bears defense which we'll talk about in just another minute that's a recipe for the bears to get back to the playoffs and be I'm not going to use the C word here on the show just yet. It's only entering week three, but I would say a very interesting football team if they can find a way to tap into all of this potential on a consistent basis like you. I mean, what worries me, though, about Anthony Miller is that we saw this last year and we saw this in his rookie year where he can have such a big game and then he just drops off. And I know it's only one week and I'm hoping he doesn't drop off for consecutive weeks. And that's what we're going to find out here in just a few days. But, you know, he had such a big game against Detroit. I make the mistake, and I throw him in my starting lineup in like three different fantasy leagues. So you can blame me for perhaps all the extra pressure that was put on his shoulders. But dang, and then I put him off. He's going to be in my bench again this week. So hopefully that means he's going to light it up. I'd be okay with those points living on my bench. And then when it comes to Darnell Mooney, Nick, do you think he's on track or has already becoming that wide receiver too? I mean, we talked about him taking over for Ted Ginn, which is supposed to be that Z position, that Z receiver, which is the second technical receiver with Miller being in the slot. Um, but from a snaps perspective, it seems like he's going to be out there second behind an Allen Robinson if this trajectory keeps going the same way. Yeah, no, it really is looking like that. And you could just see the type of plays that Darnell Mooney is on the field for. It's not just where he has to be a pass catcher. You mentioned earlier in the show about him blocking. There's an inside zone run where Darnell Mooney blocks Peppers, the safety from the Giants, and has a good block in him. So you could see the trust that Matt Nagy and, my, and Fury have in Darnell Mooney. So... It's looking like that if, you know, Ted Ginn, for some reason, I don't know if it's it's health issues or just they like Darnell Mooney, he's going to be the number two guy at that, that Z position for the Bears wide receivers, and I'm okay with it because he's showing that he can handle it, he understands the playbook, and he makes plays. Yeah, I mean, between Mooney, who just, he seems wise and savvy and above his years, and we'll talk about another rookie that's doing the same thing on defense, not just for 2020. I'm excited for the future here uh, in Chicago with a couple of these young studs that the Bears seem to have 
have themselves on this roster. Is there anything else about the wide receivers? Again, consistency, just like everyone else on this team, is what we're looking for. And I think you and I are right where they have a lot of talent, and I don't think they've really tapped into it just yet. And I think there's a lot more beneath the surface that they can really hone into. And if they can have that just be the supplemental factor with that run game that we talked about a few minutes ago, again, this offense has the potential to be I'll, I'll use the word dangerous uh, for sure. Anything else on the receiving core? Riley Ridley, I don't know if we'll see him this week. Uh, Ted Ginn Jr., I doubt he even suits up again. Uh, I know he had the veteran day off. Maybe they're thinking about putting him out there on Sunday, but he owes a healthy scratch. Depends on how the Bears want to attack this Falcons defense, but I don't think they would need him for uh, any case this week. Well, I mean, look, they're probably going to have to keep up with the high scoring of the Falcons. Maybe they do have another active wide receiver. But, yeah, like what we were saying, we expect to see more out of this group. And I think they have a really good opportunity to do that against an Atlanta Falcons defense this week. All right, let's go ahead and transition over to that Bears defense. And I'd love to just kind of begin this by focusing on the Bears cornerback duo to kind of kick things off because they've just been so damn impressive. Jalen Johnson... So good. Uh, He's a player uh, that's at a very high level, and he's only entering the third game of his young career. And so is Kyle Fuller. Kyle Fuller, out of quarterbacks that were uh, at least out there for uh, 50 coverage snaps so far this season, leads the NFL with the lowest pass rating allowed at 27.1. And Jalen Johnson's not too far behind him. He's at a 64.2. He's only allowed five catches on 12 targets for 79 yards, and Fuller's only allowed six catches on 15 targets. Quarterbacks are not having a lot of success when they are going after uh, both of these Bears' outside corners. Uh, Nick, is it a stretch to say that those two may be the strength of this defense entering Week 3? No, that's not a stretch at all, Will. Um, I know you had a couple of great tweets just, again, displaying the, the passing ratings when quarterbacks are throwing either one to either side and when you look at it and the pass rush has been a little up and down too this whole team has right they're 2-0 yep. and, and everything's been up and down but those cornerbacks I love what I'm seeing out of them we I always like wonder what's the mindset of an offensive coordinator every week saying let's target Kyle Fuller I think that's a good idea we've been talking like, about that for years 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 and it you see you just read off the stats here targeted 15 times tied for fifth most but has allowed a passer rating of 27.3. Where is the good idea in any of this targeting Kyle Fuller, even on the opposite side with a rookie and Jalen Johnson? You, I mean, I guess you got to throw the football somewhere, but they have been phenomenal so far through two games. And they've the Lions had a pretty good uh, receiving core. They were without Galladay, but this will be their biggest test, depending, of course, if Julio Jones is able to give it a go. And we'll see. We'll see how they hold up, but I would I wouldn't say that's a stretch at all. I really like what this with these corners and what the secondary is doing right now for the Bears. They are definitely a strength. Yeah, I mean they're not a weakness. Uh, there there are people who uh, they're taking care of business. And Nick, we always talk about Kyle Fuller's ability to like lock on a receiver and close at the point of attack, and he doesn't give up a lot of yak. How many yards between Fuller and Jalen Johnson do you think they have given up after the catch so far this season? Again, they've given up a total combined 11 catches. How many yards after the catch on 11 catches? Man, I I don't remember any really big plays coming after. I'll say like 20? Very close. Actually, it's 17 yards after the catch is what they've given up combined. Uh, Only eight for Kyle Fuller. Finally. 
a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. Nine for Jalen Johnson. And you're looking at other people like uh, Legereus Sneed out of Kansas City, who's up there with Kyle Fuller, but he's allowed 30 yards after the catch. Uh, Fabian Morrow uh, from the uh, Washington football team, 31 yards after the catch as well. So it's guys who are in the same realm uh, in terms of completions allowed, uh, passer rating allowed, but they're giving up more yards after the catch, but our guys aren't. And I would just make sure that Bears fans know that and just understand that these guys are really good at, even if they do allow a catch, the damage is severely minimal, uh, which really does help not extend those drives, of course, but they're not a liability uh, on the outside. And not only are they good at getting you know passes defensed or interceptions or just being locked on and forcing an incomplete ball, again, if it actually ends up being caught, it's for minimal impact after the catch. They just kind of, you know, okay, you caught the ball with nine yards on the field, tackle them, or 10 yards, whatever it is. But they don't make matters worse by missing tackles or allowing a receiver to kind of gain a lot of additional yards after the fact. But this week they do have a challenge. Uh, you have Calvin Ridley, Julio Jones maybe, uh, and Russell Gage, who, by the way, he's putting together a very nice season uh, as well. Do you think they're up to the challenge? Uh we can throw in Buster Screen here if we need, but because uh, I know Gage plays a lot of slot. But do you think the Bears cornerbacks in general are up to the challenge this week? It is a it's a tough task, but personally, I think they're ready for it. Yeah, and they have to be because that's what Atlanta's most likely going to do: pass the ball. And through two weeks, uh, the Bears corners have been targeted. I think fifth most in terms of passing plays to the outside. So. It's it's a challenge that they have to be willing to take, and I know just the mentality, especially with a Jalen Johnson as a rookie, like that guy, he's ready for anything. It doesn't matter who's opposite of him; he's going to be ready. And we already know Kyle Fuller is a, a veteran and knows exactly what each team's going to bring at him. So yeah, this this secondary will be ready. And you know, I I liked what Chuck Pagano said after the Week One victory over the Lions. Like he said, this defense will get better, and it's starting to get that way, especially in the secondary and especially with those two cornerbacks but I absolutely they're going to be ready for this challenge and you know there's only going to be you know I don't know if there's going to be better wide receiver cores but come Sunday they're gonna have a good one and they'll they'll rise to the occasion for sure all right let's change the subject and let's look at some uh personnel utilization we talked about it really a decent amount last week in the post game show heck even on the preview show about just how high key concerned we are about Danny Trevathan uh we're entering you know, last week we were entering that second week of the season, and we're hoping that what we saw in week one uh, was just rust and really nothing more. But I think some of our concerns, you can tell me if I'm wrong, Nick, but I think they're becoming slightly validated right now. Uh, what we saw in week two, Trevathan, uh, in typical fashion over his Chicago Bears tenure, usually would play at most or if not all of the snaps on defense. And he played, I think, just under half last week instead Chicago we uh, opted for a dime package uh, especially late in the game with it on the line putting in that extra safety Dion Bush into the game and playing with just one inside backer and that being Roquan Smith Nick should we expect more of a dime this week I know Pagano said I think earlier today that 
we should uh, see more of that. He's expecting to do some of that here more as we go throughout this season. And just looking at what the Falcons provide the Bears as a challenge with that passing attack, I don't think Trevathan's your best fit being on the field. No, and I completely agree with that. Yeah, Chuck Pagano said in his Zoom video conference call that he'll continue to sub out Danny Trevathan in certain personnel packages. And this is what Pagano said. Our goal is to make sure that Danny Trevathan can play 20 games this year. So obviously he has high expectations for this team, but that also means that this is going to be a reoccurring thing. And look, for this week, it's probably the best bet. Danny Trevathan looks a step slow, and it happened even not as many times in the Week 2 victory over the Giants, but it still happened against Deion Lewis. Not an easy guy to guard, very shifty running back, but it's still tough. But he's still doing it, looking a step slow. But this Atlanta Falcons team is going to pass the football, and I think it's going to be best to be in that dime package, have a Deion Bush out there, having another DB out there to guard some of these receivers, these tight ends, Hayden Hurst. So it's probably the best bet for this matchup, but it's still going to be something that we are going to see throughout the season until Danny Trevathan can figure out what he's dealing with. I know that on Wednesday... He had a healthy scratch, and, and usually on the injury, like the reports, they say some kind of injury associated with it. For Danny Trevathan, he he just was out. He had a, a day to just kind of reflect. Um, I think Brad Biggs wrote a column about that. So they and Matt Nagy had an hour long conversation with him. So stuff is happening, and Danny Trevathan has to figure it out. He's got the money uh, with this contract extension, how much he's you know worth to this team, and what he means to his team. He needs to be a good linebacker, and if this is the start of regression, say hello to Joel E.A. Buniwe, and I don't think I'm ready for that 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 hello, this greeting so far <laughs> early in this 2020 season. No, I, again, I'm, last week we were concerned, but trying to be cautious with our level of concern, just knowing it was one week, but with all, everything that's happening on the field that we saw with his time getting cut down a lot, them already saying it's going to be a thing. He's going to be not a true pitch count, but... They're going to definitely watch his snap count. Uh, and on top of that, these conversations uh, that you said are happening you know, in Hallis Hall, him having those veteran days off, which honestly, if he was playing at a higher level, you can have a veteran's day off. But if they feel like he needs that and he's still not the same Danny Trevathan that we saw in the past on Sunday, whew, uh, that's a tough pill to swallow. That's a, that's a big void to fill. And you talked about it this week against Atlanta, maybe having Deion Bush out there we can live with that. It's going to be okay. Um, but is that sustainable, do you think, if they do lean more on their dime instead of their base? I mean, Deion Bush is a bigger safety, and he's not afraid to get you know inside the box and be aggressive against the run or anything like that. But I have a hard time believing that they can have long-term sustained success without two inside linebackers that are playing. Roquan Smith's playing very well. Just We just need someone that's playing above average opposite of him and I don't think Deion Bush as good as the safety he is I don't think that personnel package is going to put the Bears um, in a position to succeed to the degree that we expect them to then I think they can live up to you know I think it's really going to depend on who the opponent is on a week-to-week basis if they are a heavy run team then you have to go with Danny Trevathan as opposed to a Deion Bush but Unless a team is really reliant and focused on running the football, like maybe like a Dallas, and I know they can throw the football as well, or maybe even the Baltimore Ravens. and I, So teams that can run, they can also throw it pretty effectively. But unless you're going against a very heavy, heavy run team, I think it is okay. to You, you can't use it every single time. You need to have Danny Trevathan out there. 
And look, I remember at the beginning of this season, just talking about the safety competition. I was comfortable with Deion Bush being out there. Now he's getting those opportunities, so I'm kind. I'm happy to see him out there, see what he can do with them. But it really is going to depend. Will the week to week matchup? Like I said, if it's a heavy running football team. Have Danny Trevathan be in there more so than Deion Bush. It just makes more sense that be able to, one, take on blocks and just to stop a running back effectively. You don't want Deion Bush being that guy, even though, you know, it, maybe it could be inconsistent with the tackling. It, you'd rather have it Danny Trevathan for sure. It would be interesting to see how they kind of go through with this because, like we said, Dime is not going to put them in a position to succeed uh, each and every week. Although I love that. I think we have a very strong dime look. If we need to throw it out there, I'm very comfortable with that personnel package. Uh, but it will be interesting to see how the Bears continue to work through this Trevathan situation, whether they do put a Joel E.A. Booneyway in there, a Josh Woods in there. I know that Devontae Bond, is he back in the active roster or practice squad? Do you remember? I want to say it's the practice squad. I know he's someone that they liked last year who played uh, after, I think, uh, one of the injuries to uh, either Kwiatkowski or KPL towards the end of last season. Uh, So he does have some of that starting experience. And the Bears were lucky last year with uh, how high of a level Kwiatkowski and Kevin Pierre-Lewis played. And maybe they could get lucky again with one of these other guys getting thrust into a starting role or getting some snaps on defense and playing pretty well. Again, I'm not saying it will happen, but... If they're coached upright and Pagano has that system in place and he has a good supporting cast, that player could step up. As long as they're playing faster, I don't think they can overly hurt the Bears. It just comes to recognition instincts, which we all know Trevathan has that in bunches. It's just that right now his body's not allowing him to get to the spot where he needs to be or be as strong at the point of attack than we've seen in the past. And that's why we're a little concerned about Danny Trevathan. But, Nick, speaking of concerns, let's look at that Bears run defense. Last week it was a concern of ours, and I thought they did a pretty good job overall against the Giants, but got to take into account that Barkley did tear his ACL early in the game, and he left that game early. Uh, but up to that point, he was averaging about seven yards per pop. Uh, that comes a week after letting Adrian Peterson, Kane and all, run for 93 yards and 6.6 yards per attempt. So are you still concerned about the run defense? I know last week we focused on Bilal Nichols, Don Jenkins really being unable to kind of hold their own at nose in week one. And I know John Jenkins now is on IR uh, with that thumb injury. They signed nose tackle uh, Daniel McCullers. He's a true nose type of guy, six foot seven, three forty eight, seventy three career games uh, where he's had a three starts, forty one total tackles, four for a loss, nine QB hits, two and a half sacks. Again, his numbers as a true nose tackle, you can look at him for whatever, you, however you want. Uh, you don't need to take him, you know, verbatim. He's a nose tackle. He's a space eater. Uh, so I know the Bears signed him. I'm sure if you expect him to play this week, but he may help the Bears run defense. But where's your headspace at with the Bears' defense's ability to stop the run compared to what it was a week ago? You know, well, here's where I think the Bears are at in terms of where they feel in terms of their run defense. They're signing guys right now. John Jenkins is out for three games with that torn uh, ligament in his thumb. So you got to you have to go get someone off the practice squad and look that's like legit two people six seven three forty eight that is a that's a mountain of a man there but I think that kind of indicates where the Bears feel like their run defense is at where you have to go get somebody right now because you have to put them on your active roster if you t- you're poaching them off the practice squad I don't know how many snaps we'll see from McCullers this week but. I think that's just an indication of where the Bears feel like they're at. I don't know if Bilal Nichols and Roy Robinson-Harris have really 
I think, adapted to now playing this new role and have this new life without Eddie Goldman, but they have to figure it out because you can't have Adrian Peterson run like he did and then Saquon Barkley and even Daniel Jones averaging seven yards a pop when they're running. Again, they break pockets different for quarterbacks, but can't have that happen. And I think that Daniel McCullers just transaction kind of shows you where the Bears are at. And I think individual guys just need to step up. I haven't seen maybe as much of a Roy Robertson Harris I would have liked to. And it's just a, a defensive line now that you're you're missing two of your nose tackles now. So it, it doesn't make it easy, but this defense has the players, I still believe, has the players that can stop the run. We've seen them dominant. That was with Eddie Goldman, but I still think they have the guys that are capable of putting up more of an effort than what we've seen through two weeks. Yeah, and again, it's kind of yeah, deceiving a little bit when you look at like total numbers because the Bears' run defense is ranked towards the top of the league, but they're not getting that many attempts on them. Uh, the average, especially when it's some of these starting running backs, and Adrian Peterson, uh, Saquon Barkley, again, two very good running backs, uh, opposite end of their career spectrum right now, but still two very talented backs. But I know week one, maybe it's that first game live contact, and they're not used to Adrian Peterson anymore here uh, playing in the north. <laughs> Second week, Saquon Barkley, I know he was coming off a very poor week one. He had something to prove, and I mean, he only had a couple big runs. He did have a couple that were shut down, um, and then he went out. So maybe that also skews his average a little bit. Um, so overall, I would say I was pleased with what I saw last week, but I still know there is more on the table, and I don't think we need to hit into you know, all the specifics. Uh, just knowing that there's room to grow, I think, is good enough here. And I think that's something we got to keep monitoring uh, each week because the Bears are so good at stopping the run the past few seasons. It's disconcerting to see it not live up to that standard. I think we understand why uh, with that issue at nose tackle, moving guys out of position. Um, but let's see. Uh, maybe not this week, but McCullers could end up being you know, not a huge difference maker in terms of like his numbers, but schematically-wise, uh, he could put people back in a position to succeed if he can eat double teams, uh, ensure that the A-gap doesn't get just blown wide open. Uh, I think he could have a very sneakily good impact on this defense uh, as we go through the rest of the season. Something to keep an eye on. Anything it's else on defense? You mentioned, oh, go ahead. It's funny you mention McCullers and like sneaky because there's nothing sneaky about like you see <laughs> that man no matter where, <laughs> wherever you're at, you're gonna notice it. But I just I just found that funny. No, it's like underratedness, sneaky, not like sneaky in the field. You're not gonna hide them, but underrated. <laughs> How about that? That, that works. All right, sounds good. Let's move on. Biggest special team topic of the week. Uh, we didn't coordinate on this. I'm curious where you're at. Uh, for me, I thought it would be the kicking situation with Santos because after this week, Eddie Pinero will be eligible to come back from IR. So this could be the last week that we see uh, Cairo Santos playing kicker for the Bears, at least at this stage of the season. It's a long way to go. I know he had a miss. It was from long distance, but I'm not trying to make excuses. He's paid to make those kicks. Um, but if he misses another or not, I guess the bigger question is, does his performance this Sunday against the Falcons determine if he kicks in week four or not, or is it going to be purely health? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, I think the Bears do want to have Eddie Pinero out there. I really do. Um, they backed him up just to see, backed him up throughout the offseason, and, you know, it was really, they brought Cairo Santos because of his health more so than performance. So I think come week four, if Eddie Pinero is good to Finally. A bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic. Our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. 
Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. No matter, regardless of what Cairo Santos does in this game, maybe if he hits a game-winning 50-yard field goal, that could change things a little bit against the Falcons. But I think we will see Eddie Pinheiro. But it is interesting, like the last time we saw Cairo Santos, he did attempt that 50-yard field goal, missed it. And it's all a mental game with kickers, really. Um, They all know how to kick the ball, and it's just really on a you know, consistent basis, can they do it? So it'll be interesting to see how he can rebound in this game against the Falcons when he does get his opportunities, whether it's an extra point, field goal, or even on kickoff. So, but to answer your question, week four, I think it's Pinheiro if he's healthy. Okay, I'm right along there with you. I don't think they ride a hot foot because usually it's sort of ride a hot <laughs> hand, but ride the hot foot right now. I think they want him to be the starter. I think they groomed him to be. That's who he was last year in. I think it'd be odd for his confidence. We all know that kicking is a lot mental uh, and confidence, like well, any position, but it just feels like it's focused on the kicker. But yeah, I think that would really shoot down his confidence. Like, you know what? We're going to go Santos and you're going to sit on the practice squad, or maybe we're going to say you're not healthy and you're going to sit on IR for a little while longer. I think if he's ready to go like you, I'd expect him to come back. And then I'm sure you bring Santos back and he'll sit on that practice squad happily, getting a good payday and he'll wait perhaps to get another turn uh whether Pinero struggles or whether Pinero end up getting hurt again because his durability is yet another issue that we've talked about a few times now on this podcast but anything else on special teams to me that's the biggest one entering the week yeah that is the biggest one I'm still waiting to see Coriel Patterson to give get a big return I know it's only been two weeks and he hasn't had the best opportunities in terms of blocking but it's coming at, at some point I hope I like your premonition there. Let's move on. X-Factors or Wild Cards. I remember to put that in there this time, and I know you were disappointed in me last time, so I made sure I put a highlighted note uh, for me this week. So for offense, do you have an X-Factor or do you have a Wild Card? I don't even really know when I set it up, but I do have one of those. You have a I think, player you know, we'll to go, discuss. I have a player, and I'll say it's a Wild Card because we haven't seen much from this individual. I think the Wild Card is going to be Cole Komet. Last week, and here, here's why. Last week against, uh, against the Cowboys, the Falcons allowed tight end Dalton Schultz. He set a career high in receptions, 9 yards, 88, and even touchdowns. He got his first career touchdown. Week 1 versus the Seahawks for the Falcons, Greg Olson had 4 receptions, 24 yards, and a touchdown. Both weeks, these tight ends are able to score touchdowns against this Falcons defense. And last week against the Giants, Jimmy Graham and Cole Komet had one target each. So I think it's time to get those tight ends involved. I know we talked about it a little bit against the Giants, and maybe it just wasn't the matchup to do it. But this seems like a good opportunity. They're out there on the field. Have Cole Komet go run a few more routes instead of blocking. I know he needs to develop that part of his game, but did we really draft Cole Komet to be a blocker no, absolutely not. He's going to be out there going and stretching the field, providing mismatches against smaller safeties, even on linebackers, and making those catches. And his first catch of his career, he let that ball get right into his body. I want to see a nice, fluid catch when he gets his opportunities. But I think that's going to be the wild card. If you can stretch the middle of that field with a Colcomet or even a Jimmy Graham, I think that changes how the Bears kind of want to do things offensively. But it would just be nice that the tight ends that were so 
highly talked about in training camp, actually make more of an impact than what they have through two games this season. Yeah, week one, they had their chances. Uh, they had some targets, especially Jimmy Graham. Uh, Harris had one in the end zone as well, and uh, Cole Komet had one down the red zone. Last week, it seemed like they just were going elsewhere. And we knew entering the Giants week that the Giants did a good job of mitigating the damage from tight ends the week prior. Like you said, this week, tight end seems like they have a favorable matchup. So is this where maybe Matt Nagy, you know, unveils the curtain a little bit? I just feel like that's what he's doing. I don't think it's because they're not getting open. I like you said, Komet's not even running really routes. And so I think it's, you know, hiding it a little bit, waiting until it's really needed, or they're really just brewing something underneath the surface and just, like, watch it pop off. And I'm hoping that's the case. And I would love to get a, a glimpse of it this week, if anything. Uh, but it should be a week where that can happen. I'll go X-Factor. I'm sticking to the passing game. I'm going with Darnell Mooney because he deserves, because he is an X-Factor out there. Uh, and I'm wondering, will this be the week where maybe he gets a bigger role than just three targets. By the way, I did look at some numbers earlier today. Out of receivers that have at least six targets this season, he's the only one besides one other, and I think the other one's in Seattle, uh, that has caught every target thrown his way. So if you had at least six balls thrown your way or more, he's caught every one, so he's six for six. And only one other receiver, I think it was also it was like seven for seven, um, but everyone else higher, of course, is not and I didn't tweet that set out because I guess the more targets you get, the harder it's going to be to have a perfect completion percentage. Um, but six for six and then seven for seven is the highest marks in the NFL. So he's second um, in that regard, which is awesome to see. And obviously it's tough because even if he just gets three targets and he makes the most out of them and they're impactful plays, I can live with that. But I'm wondering if this is a week with a Falcons secondary that is suspect at best, where maybe his role can expand just a little bit. Heck, maybe Nick, this is the week where we see that huge play that we've been kind of waiting for out of him, the one where he just runs right past everyone, takes the top off of the defense. We see like a 60-yard touchdown. We all know we would love to see something like that here in Chicago, but on top of that, reason why I think he's an X-factor, I think he's starting to build some of that chemistry, some of that trust with Mitchell, uh, more than I think we've seen. He's doing it faster than Anthony Miller ever did with Mitch. Uh, I think he's starting to trust him a little bit more, and I think he's good off schedule, uh, which some of the receivers that we talked about in the past on this team aren't so good when the play kind of gets off script, off schedule. But Mooney has that natural ability, that nuance of finding an open spot, getting himself in a position to, to give Mitch an outlet whenever things go astray. That's what happened on his touchdown. And I don't know. It's a weak secondary. I like to see his role evolve. And if so, we know how dynamic and dangerous he is. So for me, I mean, that's an X factor uh, for sure. So I'm going to give it to Darnell Mooney. Maybe I just wanted to talk more Darnell Mooney. Don't think you can never get enough Darnell Mooney. But I'm going to say it one more time. Darnell Mooney. (laughs) All right, Nick, let's switch over to defense. Uh, What do you got? Yeah, so for this one, I'll just call it an X factor. So I went wild card. Now we're going X factor for defense. But I think this one's going to be Buster's screen. And you mentioned the guy that I think could cause some problems, especially if you know, he's able to have some success against screen. That's Russell Gage. He's a guy that has 20 targets over the past two weeks, averaging about 80 yards and playing 79% of his snaps in the slot. Um, he has 15 receptions, 160 yards, and a touchdown in the season. In week one versus Seattle, went off for nine receptions and 114 yards. And looking at how the Bears have faced slot receivers through two weeks, Amendola from Detroit Lions and Golden Tate from the New York Giants each had five receptions. So they're seeing the volume and some of the production and the throws going to these slot receivers. And 
what I saw from Russell Gage is that the Falcons like to put him in a bunch of different spots on the field, too. He threw what should have been a touchdown pass to Julio Jones, but he drops it. There was a jet sweep that he's on. So he is like our version of a Cordell Patterson, but I would actually say more like a Tariq Cohen, but bigger. So he's able to do all these different things. He's more receiver type than, you know, Tariq Cohen is running back type, but he does a little bit of everything, and he's going to, if Julio, especially if Julio Jones can't give it a go this week, you're going to see his production, his targets just go up, and it's got to be Buster Screen being that guy that can really lock him down or just be disrupt his route long enough for the pass rush to make uh, make its presence felt. So X-Factor, Buster Screen, and it's going to really be specifically on Russell Gage. There you go. Uh, by the way, I had that one in my notes. I had a secondary one because I thought by chance he would have this one. But you said it. Uh, Gage, another area I had in my notes that you didn't mention, so I'll just supplement yours real quick. Uh, just how good he is after the catch. Uh, 64 yards of yak, which is a team high for Atlanta. Buster Screen here in Chicago has given up the most yards after a catch uh, on this defense with over 80 so far throughout two games. Yes, that's more than Danny Trevathan. Yes, that's, uh, I guess, impressive. Uh, in its own right, but Buster Screen, uh, his ability, if he does allow catches to gauge, to take him down in open space, and again, the key word I mentioned earlier with the outside corners that they do well is m- limiting the damage, making sure the impact is minimal after the catch, and I think Gage is uh, pretty lethal after the catch. Screen's very suspect of uh, closing those gaps and making an open field tackle, so that's another kind of X-factor inside of your X-factor, Nick. Uh, so for mine... I went back to Dion Bush. Uh, we kind of talked about it. Falcons are pass heavy. They have a lot of playmakers, and we mentioned uh, Bush. He's going to see some decent playing time this week. So my two questions that I'm curious and I'm watching for this week, one, can he just remain strong in coverage and not be a liability out there? I believe so. Um, and then number two, if the Bears do want him more in this base, can he still be stout against the run inside of the box? Because if they notice the Bears are in that dime package, you have Todd Gurley out there. They can quickly check to a run and see if they can expose this Bears defense in that way. So if they do anything close to that, Deion Bush's ability to be a run stopper uh, inside the box is going to be another kind of wrinkle that I'm watching for out of him this week. So that's why, to me, he's a an X-factor on this Chicago Bears defense. And Nick, I know we have some X-factors of our own that we want to mention about our show and uh, the support that they've uh, given us this week. So you want to go ahead and take it over? Yeah, absolutely. So we do have some X-Factors, those wild cards that, you know, you don't see on screen or anything like that. But these are the people that have donated to our podcast just throughout the months and maybe even first timers. So we're here to give those shout outs for those individuals. And starting our shout outs, I want to give this shout out to Aaron Whitler. So Aaron, thank you so much, first timer. Really appreciate the donation. You know, it helps us to run this show. And again, we're really appreciative of your donation and the second person i have here will is brian young who actually grew up in green bay wisconsin but of course bears fan and he's supporting the bears out there grew up there so brian again thank you so much for your generous donation will and i greatly appreciate it hey i mean to grow up a bears fan in green bay wisconsin proves that uh you know you don't need to always be a product of your environment you can be smarter than that 
Uh, so that's great work <laughs> by Brian to do that. So kudos to you, man. Uh, I'm sure that's tough. And uh, this one makes you know I understand that. Um, and I'm appreciative that you're able to hang through over the years. I know there's had to be some real rough Monday mornings, uh, you know, showing heck, just going around town. Uh, so that's awesome. Thank you so much for your donation. Uh, over on my end, um, I have one from a longtime listener, Isaac Siegel. Uh, he's been around for a while, uh, giving us a nice donate donation as well. Uh, he's from Wisconsin. So two people from Wisconsin helping out the show this week, which is uh, pretty awesome. So Isaac, uh, thank you so much for your support. And then Nick, throughout the show, we got a uh, super chat from uh, Jamal Foster as well. So I want to give you, Jamal, a shout out. We saw that super chat come in. I just want to thank you very much for your support of our show. Um, again, uh, it does cost money to host the streaming software, our website, getting the podcast out, uh, things like that, and having support from our listeners to kind of help us. So that way it's not out of pocket is a great uh, just way to show your appreciation for us. And Nick and I, we just have so much gratitude uh, and appreciation right back for you to helping us out because in the past it was all, hey, you know, out of our pockets and uh, the fact that you like our show enough to kind of help us sustain this without, you know, eating into our own, uh, you know, accounts, it's, it's great. Uh, and it just really helps uh, helps things out. So we do thank uh, each and every one of you for the shout outs. Nick, I'm sure there are people wondering, hey, how can I help support the show? Do you want to let people know how they can do that? Yeah, absolutely. So if you want to get a shout out on the podcast, here's how you can make that happen, either through Venmo or PayPal. If you just send us any donation, whatever you think is right, we will give you a shout out on the next podcast. And on Venmo, you can look up the username, the Chicago Audible. You should see my name, Nicholas Moriano, and the Chicago Audible logo. And if you want to send your donation through PayPal, just got to go to www.chicagoaudible.com slash PayPal. And one more time on Venmo, the username the Chicago Audible. On PayPal, it's www.chicagoaudible.com slash PayPal. And again, anything that you guys think is right, Will and I, like Will was saying, we really appreciate that. It helps us run this and you know, allows us to do what we love doing. Talk about the Bears and you know, providing this content for you guys. Oh, I love, you know, this is year uh, season six for us. And, you know, I feel as excited as I was year one, way less nervous uh, behind the mic than I was year one. But the excitement, you know, it never wavers. And uh, definitely just have love the passion that we bring to each and every show, Nick. And speaking of passion, uh, the Bears better find some passion at some of these backbreaking matchups uh, that we need to discuss here again. Uh, each week, Nick and I alternate offense and defense. Uh, looking at the biggest matchup that each side of the ball is facing, uh, the one that can maybe make or break the game. So I I drew the short end of the stick here, and I have the offensive backbreaker. That's a tough one, Nick. And it's not – I try not to be disrespectful, um, but this one <laughs> is a tough one uh, to find out what actually will worry me and if there is a matchup that can break the offense's back this week. And for me, if I had to come up with a single matchup, uh, it would be David Montgomery versus – how did you pronounce that name on the last podcast? Uh, starts with an F. Yeah, uh, Aluikin is the last name. I can't pronounce the first name right now. I'm blanking on. Yeah, blanking on that. Aluikin is the last name. He's All right. the three fumbles. <laughs> that's that's it. Hey, that's exactly thanks. Wait a just spoiler alert my whole thing here. But yeah, uh, blank Alukin. Uh, and I thanks for the attempted pronunciation, Nick. But he's the quote scariest player that I see so far for the Falcons. And this is if he plays. Uh, he's been on the injury report as well, doing with the hamstring. Uh, he's decent in run defense. Uh, he's better in coverage. And uh, the Bears running backs, they've been targeted nine uh, times so far this season. Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, 
every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. Through the air 12, if you count Cordero Patterson, and I was shocked, and I don't know how I haven't figured this out like watching the games, but David Montgomery leads running backs with six targets. He has half of those. Even if you throw in Cordero Patterson, uh, six targets through the air, Drake Cohen only has three targets so far this season so David Montgomery having double the amount of targets to Tariq Cohen throughout two weeks is a a sneaky surprise for me maybe it is for you but for me maybe this matchup doesn't quote scare me the David Montgomery one versus Lucan but what does is what Nick kind of spoiled already is the fact that he does have uh, three forced fumbles throughout two games which does lead the NFL for forced fumbles Uh, so ball security is a must if he's out there again he is dealing with a hamstring but uh, we'll see if that actually ends up coming to fruition. But his ability to get put the ball on the turf and get it out of the hands of an offensive player is what worries me the most. And the Bears have done a good job with ball security for the most part this season, uh, especially with uh, holding on to the football and not fumbling it. Uh, so that's why I was going to put this as a backbreaker. If he gets in there and he has a forced fumble or two, changing the possession, giving this Falcons offense a short field, uh, that could be a big detriment to the Bears' chances of winning this ball game. So for me... Uh, blank Alukan, thank you. Number fifty-four. I know his number uh, for the Falcons defense. Uh, you're my back-breaking matchup this week, uh, Nick. How about you? What's going to be your back-breaking matchup for the defense? Yeah, and I think it's Foyer. I don't think how they write, write it on ESPN is how, what he goes by. I watched an interview, and I think that's how you pronounce it. But Alukan, we are all going to be watching number fifty-four if he does play. Um, my defensive backbreaker, and this other is another player that if he plays, it's Julio Jones versus Jalen Johnson and we all everybody knows that's why you draft Julio Jones top five in every fantasy draft he's such a force and he has been for years now but through two games 11 receptions 181 yards and only had two receptions for 24 yards last in the dramatic crazy loss to the Cowboys and this is following a very productive day against the Seattle Seahawks where he had nine receptions 157 yards so mixed bag from Julio Jones and we know he's dealing with a left hamstring injury so we don't know where he's going to be at come Sunday but according to PFF and this is a crazy stat in Jones's career following games where he had two or fewer receptions this is what he's put up in that next game so this will be week three against the Bears Um, this is what he's done in his career he's gone eight receptions 106 yards two touchdowns five receptions 98 yards Seven receptions, 139 yards, a touchdown, six receptions, 115 yards. So every time Julio Jones has somehow been stopped for two receptions or less, that next game, the four times it's happened, he's gone off. So if Julio Jones is able to give it a go, you know that he's going to want to rebound and try to get this Falcons team their first win of the season. And the Falcons are 30-26, and 26, not the best record when Julio goes for over 100 yards. And here's another thing. The Bears have allowed the second most targets to outside receivers this season. So this is going to be a matchup if he does play where Julio Jones is going to see Jalen Johnson opposite of him. Jones likes to line up on the left side of the offensive formation 58 times as opposed to the 40-something times, 38 times, sorry, on the right side. So it's going to be primarily Jalen Johnson if that's going to be the case if he does play. So Jalen Johnson... You better be ready. I know he is. That's if. And it's a huge if right now, Julio Jones, if he plays on on Sunday. I know he didn't practice today. And usually, when you don't practice on that Thursday practice, Friday's usually a walkthrough. 
it's a good indication that he might not suit up. I won't say for sure, but it, it makes the Bears' defense and their job a lot easier if they don't see Julio Jones out there on Sunday. Imagine, Bears fans, if Julio plays and somehow Johnson's able to lock him down for the most part and Calvin Ridley, I mean, I think we're going to go bananas, Nick. I think that just solidifies what these DBs really are for Chicago. And Kyle Fuller and Jalen Johnson, not just the best part of this Bears defense, maybe the best cornerback tandem right now through three games this season. And we could probably look at the stats. They might already be there. But, yeah, if they do that this week against the, the Falcons, they're in the discussion for sure. I would say this now. If Johnson, if Julio Jones goes out there and you know he bullies him a little bit, don't get too low on Jalen Johnson. Um, but if Johnson is able to step up to the plate here and uh, knock out a home run and just shut him down, then, I mean, I couldn't blame you for getting super excited about it, something like that happening for sure. All right, let's go find out who has the edge. And, Nick, you are up first. You have the Bears rushing attack versus the Falcons' run defense. Yeah, I have to go with the Bears rushing attack. They have been such a good unit through two weeks. And you look at that Falcons run ru- rush defense and who the guys that they have out there, they have fast players. They really do. But Grady Jarrett is the one guy that I know the Bears are going to be keying on this game, number 97 for the Falcons. Take care of him. I think the Bears will be in position to have some good runs. Maybe this is more of a passing game for the Bears because they like the the matchups out there, so you won't see as many runs, but I like the Bears' rushing attack versus Falcons' run defense. All right. I have the Bears' passing attack versus that Falcons' secondary. And like you, Nick, I got to go Bears. Falcons, they give up 33 catches per game, which is uh, the second most. They allow 372 passing yards per game. Also the second most in the NFL. Um, and the quarterbacks have an average pass rating of 124.7 um, against the secondary right now, which is the second highest uh, in the NFL. By the way, fun fact, Bears defense has the, the lowest pass rating allowed so far this season, which is a tremendous in of it itself. But again, the secondary hasn't been really proving they can stop many offenses through the air consistently. It could, they'll have a drive or two, but then they'll just get... You know, bullied and abused, and they don't just prove a lot of resistance. I have some more stats about them and some specifics here uh, in a segment coming up, so I'm not going to give it all away right now, but uh, it does look pretty obviously ridiculously simple uh, that the Bears' passing attack should have the edge here. All right. For me, uh, moving on, Bears' run defense versus that Falcons' run offense. You know, for me, this one was maybe a little bit closer, but I'll still give it to the Bears. Um, I do think this is a week that it can really show if the Bears are either that bad at stopping the ball on the ground or average or really who they are. Uh, the Falcons don't run the ball super well themselves. Uh, they've done it a lot, though. Todd Gurley 16 in the NFL in attempts, uh, but they are 22nd in the NFL in rushing yards. Uh, Gurley, he's averaging only 3.3 yards per carry. That's not super oppressive right now. The offensive line... Not helping a lot, and they are dealing with injuries up front as well. But I believe that the Bears can ensure that the Falcons don't, quote, go off and uh, have multiple big runs. Um, but if the Bears do struggle on the ground this week, then I think it's time to start si- uh, sounding the alarm uh, and starting getting real concerned about this Bears run defense. So I think this is one where we'll find out they're not going to be that bad. They're fine. Um, but if they prove me wrong here, then that's when I think our level of concern for their inability to stop the run, uh, to me, gets 100% solidified. So I think we'll find out here this week. Nick, how about you for the Bears passing defense versus that Falcons passing attack? 
Yeah, this one was really tough, Will. I mean, this is where really the Falcons excel. This is their bread and butter of a team just really doing it through the air. And you know the receivers that they have. We talked about them. But I think it really all depends on Julio Jones. And even if he's a fraction of himself, we saw he only put up two receptions, 24 yards, had a drop touchdown. And he could still do damage. Don't get me wrong. But this Bears pass defense, we were talking about, is this the strength? of this Bears team, these cornerbacks, these these guys in the secondary. And, you know, we agreed that it definitely is. It, right at this point in time, it is. And that pass rush is starting to come alive with Robert Quinn getting more snaps now, hopefully in week three. We saw what he did on his first play. It was a fumble. And Cleo mm-hmm. Mack recovers it. So, And this is a tough matchup with, with the Falcons' offensive line. They're a pretty good unit. And I'm go- this may I could be a little biased here, but I'm going to give the slight edge to the Bears. I, I think that even despite the firepower that we all know the Falcons have, I'm factoring in the presence of Robert Quinn, Khalil Mack, and just these cornerback safeties that the Bears do have, and you know Roquan Smith. It's it's a whole entire unit for this past defense, and I think the Bears just have a bunch of playmakers that can mitigate the damage just enough from the Falcons to where the Bears will be in favor on the winning side of this matchup. How close was this for you? Is it something that is close, close, or do you think the Bears have a a handy advantage? No, I I mean, I think if the Falcons are going to win, it's going to be through the air, and there's just going to be big plays that happen. We haven't seen that happen, though, with the Bears' defense. We just haven't seen those really big plays happen and this is a desperate football team so yeah it was close for me but you know as we kind of talked throughout the show I think it just solidified that the Bears they can they have a good they have an ascending defense I wouldn't say great yet it's ascending from what we expected and I think we're going to see a little bit of every single level of it come together on Sunday all right let's go ahead let's enter the coach's corner on this segment uh, we are discussing a, an opponent's strength that the Bears must overcome as well as a weakness that the Bears must not allow to be um, an issue and one that they can exploit. So, Nick, this week you have the strength. So what are the Falcons good at and what must the Bears do to combat that? I feel like you almost probably said it all. You know, I said it all, but I'm so glad that I I forget things and I didn't go down to all the stats I had for this segment. So I said none of them in, you know, <laughs> that that previous uh, you know, uh speech there. But here we go. The the passing for the Falcons is their strength. Like I was just talking about, 350.5 yards per game, second most behind ironically like a weird the, the Buffalo Bills. I would not have expected that. But that's their second there. Matt Ryan's six passing touchdowns is tied for second most in the league. He's also, Matt Ryan, has produced 38 first downs, passing through two weeks, which is the most in rank number one in the NFL. The Falcons have only given up three sacks all season, so tied with five other teams in that category. So the big, the way to mitigate all this, and I think for the Bears to have success against this Falcons offense, they have to apply pressure. That's really what it is. Through two games... Ryan is the fifth most pressured quarterback in the league and how they account pressure. That's hurries, hits, and sacks. So 21 times teams in the past two weeks have applied pressure on Matt Ryan. So fifth most in the league. He's a pocket passer. If you can get him off his mark, like most quarterbacks, you're going to get him off his his accuracy, just his target, his, his read, whatever it may be. So pressure is going to be huge. And we know the Falcons, again, love to pass the ball. In terms of intended air yards, they're ranked number five in the league. And what that basically means, where the ball is intended to go, it's intended at 9.4 yards. So they like to hit on these big plays. So I was just talking about it. This Bears defense thus far 
has not given up big plays. The Falcons like to go for that home run ball. So it's going to be about mitigating explosive plays, getting pressure on Matt Ryan. You do that, the Bears will have a chance and be in this game. Most likely it's going to be a close one. It has been the first two weeks for the Bears. So I think that's going to be the recipe for success. It's not you know, some crazy like answer. Just apply pressure on Matt Ryan and limit the explosive plays. This Bears defense will have a chance. The Bears will be in a position to win the game if they can do that. All right. Weirdly enough, Nick, very similar to yours. We're just going to flip it. The Falcons can't stop anyone through the air, and the Bears better find a way to make sure this isn't the week where they figure things out. Uh, we're just like, you know, looking at them, it's the Bears just seem to find a way to execute the plays because they're going to be there uh, to be made. And if I'm just going to be, you know, serious and specific, you just got to freaking attack this secondary. Uh, you have Darkies Denard. Uh, you just have to expose him. He plays nickel. Uh, most targeted player. He has 20 balls so far thrown his way. He's all catches on 16 only one pass defensed and just overall uh, leaving a lot there for the Falcons. Uh, then on the outside, you have Isaiah Oliver, A.J. Terrell, who's a rookie. Uh, right now, I would say Oliver's their best corner right now, but he still allows a high percentage of catches, 14 yards per completion. And Terrell, he's definitely showing he's what a rookie corner should look like, and not everyone can be um, a Jalen Johnson, but uh, Terrell, he's allowing near uh, a near perfect passer rating when targeted this year, a hundred and fifty three point two. Looking at inside of their linebackers, they can be exposed as well. There's just matchups, Nick. No matter where you look, the Bears have a favorable matchup. Um, I think slot is an easy one. Perhaps these tight ends, like you said too, uh, they've allowed for tight ends so far this season. You talked about them individually, um, but combining everything. They've allowed tight ends to catch 15 of 17 targets this year with 146 yards and two touchdowns. It's, I think you can expose them with your tight ends. I think whoever you have in slot, whether it's Miller, whether it's Robinson on the down, you can expose them as well. So for me, just get yourself in a matchup, execute it, no drop passes, no allowing those 50-50 balls or even those 60-40 balls to go in the other direction this week because uh, and for Mitch, he needs to put the ball on the point uh, because if he's uh, putting these off or he's not leading his receivers and he's making the job easier for the secondary, that it shouldn't be because they shouldn't be in a good position anyway. Uh, making it just so much easier, I think that's not going to bode well for the Bears. So, again, the Falcons are bad at stopping anyone through the air, and the Bears just must not allow Week 3 to be the week. They put it all together and they figure it out. Uh, that would be bad news for Chicago. and it would put, That would really put a damper on, I think, our expectations for this offense overall. All right, Nick, it's time for some predictions, and we're going to wrap up the show, uh, get our weekly predictions in, and then we'll head on out. So as we always do, let's begin with our bold prediction. Curious which way you want to go here. Uh, What's going to be your week three bold prediction here in 2020? Yes, so the Bears have only given up one passing touchdown all season, the the touchdown to TJ Hawkinson in week one against Detroit. That's going to remain true after this game. The Bears are not going to allow a passing touchdown against the high-flying, high-scoring, dynamic Falcons offense. No passing touchdowns. The Bears, and this is going to be a credit to Jalen Johnson, Kyle Fuller, AJ. The Bears defense for not allowing it to happen. Not say they're not going to score touchdowns. They're just not going to happen through the air. So bold prediction, they're still, after three weeks, will only have given up one passing touchdown. I like that, and that is bold given what the Falcons have been able to do through the air, but I think that's one that is potentially obtainable. Uh, So I'm excited to see how that one comes together. I'll go offense. 
You talked about it earlier, the tight ends. I just mentioned the tight end. So why not have a bold prediction centered around the tight end position? So I have Cole Komet and Jimmy Graham coming away with touchdowns in this game. And again, Falcons are very bad at covering tight ends, very vulnerable, allowing tight ends to get some decent production. Um, and I didn't mention this earlier in the show, but they're also, the Falcons are pretty poor in the red zone. They're allowing touchdowns on 90% of the trips inside the red zone. That's nine touchdowns out of red, uh, 10 red zone trips allowed. Cole Komet, Jimmy Graham, we know they can make their living down there in that constricted area of the field. Tall guys go up and get it. So for me, each tight end coming away with a touchdown is going to be my bold prediction. And I did make up two, and I like sharing this other one too. Why not? Uh, this one's for the receivers. Darnell Mooney and Allen Robinson will post over 110 receiving yards each. Uh, so if you go back to week one, the Falcons allowed two 90-yard receivers uh, for 92 and 95. Week two, they allowed two 100-yard receivers, 106 and 100. So for week three, they're going to go up to the next uh, 10, and they're going to allow two 110-yard receivers. And I'll give it to Mooney and Allen Robinson. I really like that one. That that's that's good homework by you. Just researching uh, and finding that that trend there with the receivers. So yeah, that one comes true. We're definitely going to see Darnell Mooney. Hopefully, have one of those bigger plays that we've been waiting to see. Absolutely, yeah. I was like looking. I was like, hmm. I feel a pattern's brewing, and it's probably it's not a sustainable pattern because <laughs> by the week five they're all like two two hundred yard receivers, and that's just not going to happen. But at least through the first three weeks, maybe it's something that could be obtained. Still bold, and that's why it's fitting here. But Nick, when it's all said and done, who's going to be the MVP? Yeah, I think just talk it through it. Well, I just think it's set up for Kyle Fuller to be the most valuable bear in this game, given what the Falcons love to do in passing the football. And I think Calvin Ridley, he's he's a matchup. He's going to be a good matchup for Kyle Fuller. He loves to run those double moves. And we know that at times that Kyle Fuller could be a little aggressive, want to jump routes. It's He's got to make real sure that what he's seeing Ridley do in terms of route running is the intended route and not a double move that he did against the Cowboys last week and got a a couple touchdowns for so but I think Kyle Fuller's up to the challenge just given how he's played this season he's going to get a lot of targets this game regardless of where Julio Jones if he plays if he doesn't but I think when it's all said and done it's gonna we're gonna look back at this game and say hey it's because of Kyle Fuller and what he did to those receivers at wherever side of the field or whoever's on that that right side that Kyle Fuller is the reason why the Bears won this game. Making a couple plays, maybe batting a ball up in the air for A. Jackson to get that pick six that we all know that he really, really wants. So I think by the end of it, it will be Kyle Fuller as the MVP. I like it. Kyle Fuller, he deserves the love, the credit, and if he does have a big game uh, like we're hoping he can with a matchup like he's having uh, across from him, it would be well-deserved. That's a really good choice there, Nick. I'll go ahead and go do offense for mine. It looks like we're doing defense and offense here right now for this uh, prediction to end of the show, but I'll give it to Allen Robinson. Uh, at least, oh, I'm not going to give it to him. He has to earn it, but I'll predict it's going to be Allen Robinson. Uh, he did have that down game last week, and I'm sure he's hungry and wanting to put that behind him, uh, especially as he's going through contract talks. Uh, you need those good games in order to really sell yourself a little bit more in uh, we mentioned the Falcons, they've given up some big days to wideouts. Uh, Robinson, he's up there with guys like Tyler Lockett, Amari Cooper, and he does lead the team in targets with 18, which is uh, more than double the next highest bear. Uh, so we all know he's going to get his chances. Like you said near the top of the show, maybe Trubisky goes to him too much by default. 
Um, but he's going to get his looks today, and I think, well, Sunday, and he'll go ahead and he'll make some big plays. He'll get a score, and he'll be that consistent player that we expect him to be out there on Sunday. And with the Bears probably going to be relying on their passing attack more than their running, but you say that, even who knows, they may just run it down the, the Falcons' throats or just really stick to it. Um, but I feel like we'll have bigger plays from Allen Robinson this week that are going to give him rights to the MVP honors come the postgame show. All right, Nick, it's time to figure out who is going to win this game. Again, I'll reach 2-0 so far this season, so we've both uh, been hitting pretty good here with the Bears. Uh, we do have that fun bet at the end of the year. One of us is going to end up having to wear uh, Lions gear, Packers gear, Vikings gear, and head around downtown Chicago, Soldier Field, and just uh, be embarrassed going around the city like that. No one wants that. Uh, so when you're looking at this Week 3 matchup uh, with our ever-important picks, who do you have winning? What's the final score going to be? Yeah, the, um, again, talking about this, Will, it's set up for the Bears to to get that third straight victory. It really is. I think that the way that the Falcons have to win this game, I, I think it's really applying pressure in Mitch and not allowing him to have, sit nicely in the pocket and really dissect this defense. But every team so far that the Falcons have played, Falcons Seahawks have had plenty of time to throw and have just been able to pick apart this defense and have the red zone success. And I just don't think they're going to do that against an O-line that has improved. That is, you know, not only pass blocking, but run blocking. So I had the Bears winning, and the, the Falcons are just giving away points to everybody. It's 39 points per game that they're, I think, allowing on defense. Something crazy. I think the Bears can finally hit that 30 mark. I think I had scoring 30 last week. They were definitely on pace for that, and then the second half happened. But 30... <laughs> And I'll give the Falcons 20 points here. It's more of the garbage time points that happen at the end. And we know Chuck Pagano and his defense, they love to give up those points. So 30 to 20 Bears. That's incredible. Um, I don't need to go into all the ins and outs. I think people know where I'm going with this one. And uh, I agree with you almost perfectly. I have 31-21 Bears. So like you, I think the Bears can get 30. Uh, they're allowing about 40 points per game, so I'll take the 30 mark, uh, like you said. Um, and then on top of that, uh, I think the Falcons, with their potency on offense, they'll find their way into the end zone. I think it's going to be hard to completely shut them out. And the Bears' defense, they've been inconsistent too. Uh, we need to be honest on that front as well. They haven't been overly great or anything of that nature. They've showed it in spurts, um, but we do need to see it for all four quarters too. But yeah, very crazy that we're just one point off on uh, each of the scores. It's pretty much even here. We both have it being a 10-point game. That would be the Bears' first uh, double-digit or two-score lead since uh, or victory since week four of last year, and it's now week three, 2020. Uh, so that's interesting. Hopefully it comes to fruition. It would be nice to have a game that would be double digits, uh, to say the least. I think we would both love to talk about that. But, Nick, what's going to be your confidence meter? Obviously, I think we're going to be a little bit more confident than we were in weeks past. It's given our scores. Yeah, given our score, I think, well, I was giving them 30 last week against the Giants, and it didn't happen. But I am feeling really good about this matchup. I know the Falcons, they, they're going to pull out everything to try and get a victory in this 2020 season. But I think when it all said and done, the Bears just have a little bit too much on both sides, really. And even that's that's the offense, guys. So I really think they can have a good day on Sunday confidence i'm going to give them an eight I, I like where the bears are at i like the the weaknesses they can exploit for the defense on on the falcons and 
really what this Bears defense can do to that Falcons offense. So I like the matchups, and I think the Bears, I'm feeling pretty confident about them. I'll give them a solid eight. You're at an eight. Wow, that's uh, that's interesting. Uh, I actually had an 8.2, so I'm a little bit more confident with you, but I also had the Bears scoring one more point, so I guess this makes a lot of sense. But, yeah, this is the first time that I think either of us has been the eight so far this year. So I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. I, I always get a little nervous uh, whenever I do allow myself to be confident in this team's ability to take care of business because we all know they love to make it much harder than it ever needs to be. Um, but like you, it's both sides of the ball. I feel like the Bears, on at least their defense, I think matches up well against this offense and should be able to take away some of their strengths. Um, at least enough to a degree where they're not just going to be able to steamroll over this defense uh, by any means. Offensively, I think we're built to be able to take advantage of their defense, and when you put those two together, it should be a recipe for success. It shouldn't be any more complicated than that. But, Nick, any final thoughts as we kind of wrap things up here? No, I'm just uh, really excited to see what this offense can potentially do. Maybe play a full, complete game would be nice to see from Mitchell Trubisky and the entire unit for Matt Nagy, what that could do moving forward for the Bears. And, look, I don't want to get ahead of themselves, but this is a matchup to really do that. Take advantage of a struggling team, and hopefully they can come out and you know have a very successful on both sides of the ball. You know, a complete game on defense as well would be great to see. Everything coming together for the Bears against a bad football team, that's all I have for the final thoughts, but it should be a fun one on Sunday. Nick, if anything else, yeah, I just want to see a complete game, all four quarters, both sides of the ball, humming, no issues whatsoever, every play's perfect, every play the Bears have is a touchdown, every play in defense is an interception, and that's it, that's all I'm hoping for here, right? Is that what I heard? You know what, I kind of just want to have a comfortable day on Sunday. These last two weeks have just been last play of the game where I'm like, all right, what kind of postgame show is this going to be? Yeah. Am I going to be, you know, like, exactly, I just want a comfortable game. Can, is that too much to ask for in 2020? Just a a solid one-sided victory, Nick. That's that's all I want. That's more. That's too much to ask for most seasons for the Chicago Bears. So don't throw 2020 in the mix here. That just makes. That's probably why we're having it uh, the way we've had. But like you, Nick, I'm hoping that the Bears can uh, take advantage here. Uh, I think this is a matchup where they should be able to win, uh, as we've expressed, and they can start this season three and zero. I mean, three and zero is an excellent start to this year. Uh, the Colts. Coming up a week after, as much as their defense, I think, is surprising people, I think they're still beatable. And we've said it all offseason. These first four weeks, the Bears can put themselves in a very good position uh, to start this season as they kind of move into a very uh, a, a more difficult stretch here throughout the rest of the year. At least that middle portion and the ending isn't uh, overly friendly as well. So the Bears needing to you know take care of business while they can, uh, get some of that much-needed confidence, much needed momentum, and you never know. Confidence and momentum for any football team, uh, they're fun to have, and they can really be difference makers. And the Bears are finding a way to establish it now, and I expect the same to come through here on this upcoming Sunday afternoon. All right, so I want to thank everyone who is here watching live to our preview show, and of course, everyone who is listening to the podcast around the globe. Thank you so much as well. Uh, Please remember to rate or review our show on Apple Podcasts. By doing so, that helps us reach more Chicago Bears fans just like yourself, uh, as well as maybe helping us uh, reach out to a few more potential sponsors. And, of course, Nick and I, we love to show our appreciation uh, every time that we reach the century mark. Uh, so whenever we reach our 700th, 700th review, 
and Apple Podcasts, uh, we'll be sending out another free Chicago Bears jersey of choice to one lucky listener. And then up next is going to be our week three post-game show. This is where Nick and I, of course, as soon as the final whistle blows, we'll be uh, hitting the mic, hitting the stream, getting on for another podcast and sharing with you our initial thoughts, reaction, and analysis from everything that uh, will unfold in front of us here in just a few short days. But until then, bear down, Chicago. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you 24-7, with supplies and solutions for every industry, and access to product specialists ready to help. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.